1 Corinthians chapter 10 is our scripture reading, and we'll read through the whole of this passage of God's Word, 1 Corinthians 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, Judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold Israel after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then? that the idol is anything, or that, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God, and I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot part be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, asking no question for conscience' sake, 
for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Read God's word thus far, and it's on the basis of that passage, and I had in mind especially the first part of the passage in verses 12 and 13, more specifically, that forms the basis of the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 52. We're going to consider today just the first question and answer of Lord's Day 52. And that is the question and answer which explains to us the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Which is the sixth petition? The answer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment, and besides this, since our mortal enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, cease not to assault us, do thou therefore preserve and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit, that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare, but constantly and strenuously may resist our foes till at last we obtain a complete victory. The sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, beloved, follows very closely from the fifth petition. In the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, we ask God through prayer we ask God frequently, we ask God often to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is a request for the blessing of justification. That is a request for God not to hold our sins against us, but to forgive them, to impute to us the righteousness of Christ and to give to us the faith to know that we have been forgiven our sins. Now the sixth petition in which we ask God not to lead us into temptation but to deliver us from evil is a request, a prayer for 
the blessing of sanctification, deliverance from the power and the control and the dominion of sin in our lives. And every one of us knows from our own experience as Christians that we need both of these blessings of salvation. And that's why it's important that both of them are part of our prayers to God. We certainly need justification. We need the forgiveness of our sins. We need to be assured that God sees us as righteous in Jesus Christ, his Son. We need to know that God does not deal with us according to our sins. We need to know that because Christ was punished for our sins, we are never being punished by God for our sins. But we also need sanctification. Think of it. What is the good of being forgiven your sins if you are not given the strength to fight against those sins and to flee from them? What is the good of the guilt of sin being removed if sin still has a hold on us and sin still controls us and we keep committing the same sins again and again and again. We need the grace of God and as the Catechism correctly says, that's the Spirit. We need the Spirit of Christ to give us the strength to resist our spiritual enemies, to have the power to stand up against them, and the strength to fight this spiritual battle and to overcome by the power of the Spirit of Christ in us. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Consider then this Lord's Day using as the theme praying for deliverance from evil. We notice the fierce battle, the urgent request, and the sure victory. First of all, the fierce battle. The Christian life is not easy. The Christian is involved in spiritual war against what the Catechism refers to as mortal enemies. A mortal enemy is an enemy that's determined to kill we are facing mortal enemies that are determined to kill our souls, to kill our faith. We wrestle not, as Ephesians 6 verse 12 points out, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but we wrestle in this spiritual battle against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's something every one of us must recognize and that you young people here must know too. Day after day, our whole life long as Christians, as God's people still in this world, we are involved in a constant battle. And if you are at all aware of this, and if you are at all spiritually minded about this, then you become spiritually weary because of this battle. It's a hard, hard fight. The Catechism mentions our enemies. One of those enemies that we face is the devil. And Satan is extremely wicked and very dangerous. As 1 Peter 5 verse 8 points out, he goes around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour the people of God. And notice that. He seeks to devour the people of God. He's not interested in the ungodly. He already has them. He's interested in those who confess the name of Christ. And he's focused often very specifically on the young people in the church because he considers them to be easier targets for his temptations. More vulnerable and because he knows well, the youth and the children of the church are the next generation of the people of God. If he can get them, he can perhaps destroy the church's future in this world. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you confess his name in this world, and if you are a member of his church in this world, then the devil will attack you. He will attack you with temptation and sin. He will attack you as a mortal enemy with the goal of ruining your faith and ruining your life as a Christian and bringing you down with him to hell. That's his goal. That's his aim. The question is, are you aware of Satan and his evil purposes in your life? Or even this question, what evil way and what evil direction is the devil leading you right now in your life. The second enemy is the world. And by the world, the Hardaway Catechism is referring, of course, to the world of the ungodly. Those who love the devil and those who hate God and those who hate the people of God, those who hate the cause of Christ in this world. 
a world of ungodly who are constantly bombarding us through social media, through the internet, through literature, through advertising, and every form they can possibly think of with worldly wisdom and with ungodly ways and with an earthly, carnal lifestyle. And they tempt us with that which appeals to our flesh, tempting us with the world's pleasures, the world's riches, the world's entertainment, the world's promise of success in this life. And again, because the devil is behind them, the ungodly are focused on the children and the youth in the church. And you face the question, what evils are the ungodly currently tempting you with? They are your enemy. And then the third enemy that our text mentions is our own flesh. Our own flesh is our worst enemy. And our own flesh is our worst enemy because this is the enemy that is inside us. This is the enemy that has the most direct access us. This enemy, you could say, is a traitor. This is the enemy that lets the devil into our hearts and lives. This is the enemy that lets the world into our consideration. This is the enemy that views our other enemies, the devil and the world, as being our friends and helps them to accomplish their evil purposes within us, our own flesh, a sinful nature that we will have until the day we die, a sinful nature that is interested in and that is attracted to what Satan and the ungodly have to offer to us, a sinful nature that says to what they offer, those are the things that I like. Those are the things that I want to have. Those are the things that I want to do in my life. Those are the things that will satisfy me. Those are the things that will give me the pleasure that I want. If we did not have that sinful nature, then we would not have a battle at all. But, we do, and we always will. And so the Christian life is a battle. The Catechism reminds us, and really that originates from the Lord's Prayer itself, and the Lord Jesus Christ himself instructing us that the main tool, the main weapon, that our enemies use against us is temptation. Christ said, 
This is your prayer to God. Lead us not into temptation. Because that's what the enemy uses. Temptation, something that entices us, something that allures us, something that is attractive to us. It's what someone uses who goes fishing. He uses a temptation. He takes a hook. And he puts on that hook a piece of bait that will be attractive to the fish and appealing to the fish. It draws in the fish. It attracts the fish to come. And what the fish doesn't know is this is not just a piece of food for me, but this is a piece of food that entices me with the goal of hooking me and killing me. That's what the devil and the world and our flesh do. They use bait to allure us spiritually. They tell us these things are enjoyable. These things are pleasurable. These are things that are advantageous to do. Other people are doing them and they are enjoying them. Why don't you join? Why don't you participate in these things? It's fun to get drunk. It's pure pleasure to enjoy fornication. There's no harm done if you lie or gossip or slander or get angry. And your sinful nature wants all of that, is eager to commit those sins and many others besides. 1 Corinthians 10 verses, verse 13 describes temptations this way as something that takes you. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. A temptation takes a person, takes a hold on a person, and doesn't let go, doesn't give up keeps pestering until the sin is committed. I say again, beloved, we are involved as Christians, as God's people in the midst of this world, in a fierce battle. We ought to wake up every morning in the consciousness of that. Not beginning in the day thinking to ourselves, well, this is going to be an easy day. I'm not going to face any struggles. I'm not going to face any spiritual battles or fights. This day will be a breeze for me. Not thinking that way. but rather, I have to fight again today. And I have to fight hard against the three spiritual enemies that I have, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Enemies that, as the Catechism says, cease not to assault me. They are enemies that never relax. They are enemies that never take a vacation. 
They are enemies that never say about any one of us, well, let's give up on that person. Let's give up on him or her, and we'll leave that person alone for now and go find someone else to tempt and to pester. Our spiritual enemies don't say that about us, who are the people of God. And so the believer battles. The child of God does not reach a point where he says, yes, I used to be weak, and I used to sin constantly in my life, but now I'm spiritually strong, and there are no temptations hardly in my life, and sin is hardly even a problem in my life anymore. I'm all set for the rest of my life. The believer cannot say that. The battle goes on your whole life long. The enemies are relentless. The temptations and the sins that are attractive to you may change, as you get older, they're still there. We'll always be tempted by something in life, by many things. We cannot ever underestimate the power and the skill of Satan. And we cannot ever stop fighting a spiritual battle. The sixth petition is our prayer to God in light of the battle that we face. How does the Catechism put it? We are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment against those spiritual enemies. We are weak and we are helpless. Sometimes uh, we think that we're quite strong spiritually. Perhaps that thought crossed your mind even as we read 1 Corinthians 10, which gives us an account of some of the sins of the Old Testament church and saints. Verse 6, they lusted after evil things. Verse 7, they were idolaters. They sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Verse 8, they committed fornication. Verse 9, they tempted Christ. Verse 10, they murmured many grievous sins. And we might read that and we might think to ourselves, how could they commit such grievous sins? They were those who confessed to the, themselves to be the people of God. And after all that God had done for them, rescuing them from Egypt, caring for them in their wilderness wanderings, establishing them as a kingdom, people of God at Mount Sinai. This is what they did to God? 
And then the thought crosses our mind, I would never do those things. But what does 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 say? Wherefore, let him that thinketh that he standeth take heed lest he fall. And isn't it the same for us when we hear about the sins of other believers? Find out that someone was unfaithful to his spouse. You hear that someone is guilty of drunkenness. You hear of someone who, or aware of someone who rarely attends the worship services, and you say, what got into that person? Why did they do that? Why, why were they so foolish? And you think to yourself, there's no way I would do anything like that. What does 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 say to us? Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. The reality is, and that's what we, de- we are developing here, that we are weak in ourselves, as the Catechism says. We are so weak in ourselves we cannot stand a moment. Left to ourselves, we would fall into sin every single time. I remember as a young person, an elderly pastor putting it this way to us. If the time and the circumstances are right, then there is no known sin that any one of us would not commit. We are capable of, every, of any and every sin. Even the holiest of men, the most mature and the strongest Christians cannot stand a moment on their own. And thus we need to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. First of all this, lead us not into temptation, By that, we acknowledge that God is sovereign over temptation. Absolutely sovereign over everything, including temptation. God could lead any one of us into temptation. God could direct our enemies Satan, the world, and our own flesh to tempt us and to put before us such a powerful and such an irresistible temptation because the time and the circumstances are right and when they are, there is no known sin that we would not commit. God 
could put that in front of us with the result that we fall into that sin. Scripture records that that has happened many times with the saints of God, with believers. Noah, who made himself a vineyard after the flood and who produced wine and who was tempted to and fell into the sin of drunkenness. David, who really should have been out there with his soldiers fighting the battles against the enemies of God, was spending leisurely time at home in the evening walking on the roof of his house and observing Bathsheba, inviting her into his home and committing adultery with her. Peter, who was afraid for himself, afraid for his own life, afraid that he would be captured as Christ had been captured and perhaps treated as Christ was now being treated before his very eyes, and afraid for himself. He denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing ourselves, our confession in this petition, as it is explained for us in the Lord's Prayer, is, I am so weak in myself that I cannot stand a moment the circumstances and the time is right, the temptation is powerful, and if I think to myself, no one else will ever find out about this, we would commit the same thing. So we pray and must pray, first of all, Lord, Lead us not into temptation. Do not put those temptations in front of us. We are weak. We are attracted to sin. We are inclined to fall. We cannot stand a moment in our own strength. Keep us, Heavenly Father, from circumstances in life and situations in life where it would be very easy for us to commit fornication to murder, to slander, to lie, to steal, to covet, and any other sin. Really, in the words of verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 10, our prayer is this, Lord, keep me from being tempted above what I am able to. To bear, able by thy grace to bear. But Christ taught us also to pray, deliver us from evil. 
literally, that is this, deliver us from the evil one, Satan, the devil. We acknowledge, therefore, that not only does God's sovereignty mean that he is sovereign over temptations, but he is also sovereign over the tempter, Satan himself. Deliver us from evil. Heavenly Father, if according to thy sovereign will I must face temptations, because sometimes it is part of God's purpose that we do, that's part of God's sanctifying work in our lives, that's part of God's testing that has the purpose of refining and purifying his people. If God puts us in those circumstances where we face the tempter, Satan, our prayer is, Lord, give us strength to stand. The ability to say what the Lord Jesus Christ himself said repeatedly to the devil, get thee behind me, Satan, and then adding these words in his response to the devil, it is written, it is written, the scripture says, God says, the word of God says to me, thou shalt, thou shalt not, and all the rest. Give us the strength, Heavenly Father, we pray to stand as Joseph did, who said, how can I commit this sin and thereby sin against God. He was God-conscious. And implied in this prayer for sanctification is also this, deliver me from remaining in a sin. Deliver me from remaining under the control of a sin. That is, Heavenly Father, when I do sin, turn me back again. Bring me to true repentance and sorrow and turning from sin. Lead me to Christ, to Christ and his cross, where there is forgiveness for all my sin, and to Christ and his cross, where there is strength to fight against sin. And even, Heavenly Father, if I need to be led to the, the Lord Jesus Christ and to his cross hundreds of times each day because I sin so much, bring me there, Heavenly Father. Deliver me from evil by bringing me to repentance. That's the request in this sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. And this is a petition that we pray with confidence. The confidence that God will give us 
the victory. And the confidence, first of all, that God will give us the victory now in this life. He will give the victory. He will give the victory because as 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, God is faithful. He keeps his word. He keeps his promise. And what is the promise that he keeps according to 1 Corinthians 10.13? This promise. God will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able to bear. Now it's true, and I'm sure you've heard that, that this text, 1 Corinthians 10.13, is a word of God that is applied at times to our suffering, to our afflictions. And that's certainly an appropriate explanation and application of this word of God because God is sovereign over all those things too. He is sovereign over suffering. And with regard to the suffering, God promises not to give us more than we can bear. But as the context shows, the context in which the sins of the Old Testament church and the sins of the Old Testament people of God are listed, verse 13 is referring, first of all, to being tempted to sin. And God is in sovereign control of our spiritual enemies and in sovereign control of all of our temptations from those enemies. And the text says this about that. God limits what they are able to do and to accomplish in our lives by their evil intent and by their temptations. So that the temptations will not overwhelm. The temptations will not crush. The temptations will not destroy your faith and your spiritual life and your soul and your salvation. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able by his grace to bear. 1 Corinthians 10.13 also mentions this, that part of God's faithfulness is that he also provides his people a way of escape. What is that way of escape? Perhaps sometimes that escape for us when we face temptation to sin is a change in our circumstances. The situation changes. Maybe it changes very quickly. The temptation is removed. Or at least the thought is removed. I could do it and get away with it. Because the circumstances change. That's God providing a way of escape. Sometimes the way of escape might be this, that 
we flee from the temptation. And really that's always a way of escape for the child of God to exercise spiritual bravery as Joseph did, who not only said, how can I do this thing and sin against God, but he got up and he fled. He got out of there. He got away from the temptation. Then thirdly, we might say the escape in this life is especially this. God gives us his grace. Grace in Christ. The grace of God, which is the spirit of Christ, who is mighty, mighty in us, mightier than the greatest temptations. The spirit who works in the people of God the power to want to resist the temptation because they don't want to fall and sin against God. The grace to say, get away, Satan. The grace to say, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against the God who loves me in Christ, who has regenerated me in him, who has put the life of Christ in me, and who is good always toward me. God provides the way of escape. And when it comes to the way of escape, then ultimately, this is the escape that God provides. And the Catechism mentions it. Till at last we obtain a complete victory. That will come. That way of escape when life ends. When we're finished then fighting against these three spiritual, mortal enemies. No more temptations, no more sins. Perfectly devoted to God, doing only what is good and right in the eyes of God. God preserves us now in this life with a view to giving us that complete victory at the end. And what a victory that will be. A final and perfect and complete and eternal way of escape from temptation and sin. By faith, in Christ, we have the victory, the victory over sin, because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And through faith, we live with the hope in our hearts of that complete, perfect, eternal victory that we will have when this life is over. But until then, we pray 
And we keep praying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And may God hear and answer that prayer. Amen. O God and our Heavenly Father, be with and bless us, O Lord, in our spiritual battles in this life against mortal enemies who cease not to assault us. Give us the victory, for we confess, we believe thy word that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us and who dwells within us and who by the power of his spirit keeps and guards and protects and preserves his saints unto the end. We need him, we rely upon him because we are weak in ourselves and always need the strength of Christ. In his name we pray, amen.